Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yo, what up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. This is another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. This is episode 398. 99 coming up here with Bobby. We're going to be breaking down the tight end draft capital and the importance of waiting on tight ends. Second, third, fourth year tight ends generally produce much, much better than rookie tight ends, as we all know, in the fantasy football space. Stay tuned for that one coming up next. And after that, dropping Monday morning will be my 400th episode. And I have a very, very special guest on that episode. If you don't know who it is already, I'm going to keep the suspense I'll drop it at the end of the next episode on 399, so make sure you tune into that. I will just let you know it's a big player in the fantasy football industry. It is my favorite fantasy football analyst. I've mentioned his name on the podcast many, 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 many times. He does great work for fantasy football via podcast, via articles, rankings, and everything else. One of my favorite dudes in the industry as a person and, of course, as an analyst as well. Stay tuned for that. Episode 400 dropping Monday morning. So stay tuned for that after the weekend. Today, I am breaking down this week's player spotlight. And this is coming from a listener request. So I want to give a a big up to my boy Sears for uh, offering up the suggestion to do the wide receivers from the Pittsburgh Steelers. So there's a lot of conversation constantly on the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiving core. And it's full. All right. Deontay Johnson. Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool. Then we have James Washington and Ray-Ray McLeod as well. Not to mention, of course, two tight ends, Eric Ebron and the rookie Pat Fryermuth. And then we have the running back core as well with Najee Harris as the rookie and the stable behind him as well. So there's many, many, many mouths to feed for Big Ben in Pittsburgh. But for fantasy football, we generally focus on the wide receivers. I'll break down how each one of these wide receivers finished last year, tendencies of the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, what we can expect potentially predicting what Big Ben is going to do this year, according to last year, what new offensive coordinator Matt Canada might be able to do, and then each wide receiver breaking down what their expectation might be for 2021. I'll give you a couple bold predictions per usual, and I'll give you my current rankings on these three wide receivers and let you know which of these wide receivers I prefer in which scenario. Before we get into the show today, though, I do want to give a shout out, of course, right away to our friends at the Jersey Jungle. You can DM them on Instagram at the Jersey Jungle. Use the promo code TCK to receive 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys. So if you're looking for a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey, maybe it's one of these wide receivers, Johnson, Juju, Claypool, or you're looking for that new crisp Najee Harris hot off the market, they do have a few rookie jerseys ready, and Najee Harris is one of them. So feel free to go get that. Or if you're an OG Steelers fan and you're looking for somebody back in the day, a Cordell Stewart, you know, maybe uh, you're looking for Jerome Bettis or a Heinz Ward, Troy Polamalu, whoever you're looking for for the Steelers, you can find them at the Jersey Jungle. DM them at the Jersey Jungle. Use the promo code TCK to receive 10% off of one or two jerseys and 15% off of three. Next up, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Bomb Banana, a new sponsor of the podcast. Use the promo code TCK for 10% off of your order. Bomb Banana Hot Sauce, the newest thing in hot sauce. Banana-based, not banana-flavored. Go to seekthespice.com, and at checkout, make sure you let them know that TCK sent you. Get 10% off of your order. 
You know that I have ripped Bomb Banana for the last couple of months here. Love the flavors of both of these. They have the white brand, uh, the white label, which is more mild, and the red label, the Mui Mui, which is much hotter for those of you that like spice. So go check out Bomb Banana Hot Sauce, banana base, not banana flavored. Seekthespice.com. Use the promo code TCK at checkout. Okay. Let's dive into this here. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiving core. Now I'm going to talk about the entire team in general because with any player breakdown, it's not just about the player. It's about the situation. I say on the podcast all the time, I've been saying it for years. Often I like the player and I don't like the situation or I don't like the player personally as as a fantasy asset, but I do like the situation. So with Pittsburgh, we have to break down the wide receivers, which we're going to dive deep into. But again, as I mentioned, we have to see what their tendencies were last year, what they might be this year with the new offensive coordinator in uh, Matt Canada. And then we need to look at how Big Ben is doing at 39 years old, what they might do in the run game with the banged up offensive line, a depleted offensive line, and a rookie running back. And they have a rookie tight end as well, Pat Fryermuth, who many say, if not for Kyle Pitts in this draft class, Pat Fryermuth would have been far and away the number one tight end in this draft class. But of course, we have uh, Kyle Pitts as well going to the Atlanta Falcons, who's been all the rage in fantasy dynasty leagues thus far. So when I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiving core, again, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool are the main three. Deep, deep, deep dynasty leagues. If you're looking for flyers, maybe somebody free off the bench, take a look at James Washington, maybe even Ray Ray McLeod if you have a deep bench or you play in a league where you start like five receivers or something crazy. Otherwise, we're looking at Johnson, Smith-Schuster, and Claypool. Last year, Deontay Johnson finished wide receiver 22 in PPR fantasy points per game. He had 14.8 PPR fantasy points per game. Juju finished wide receiver 23 at 14.6 PPR fantasy points per game. And Chase Claypool finished third out of the three at wide receiver 34 in PPR fantasy points per game at 13.4 PPR fantasy points per game. The current ECR, expert consensus ranking, and ADP for each of these players, Deontay Johnson currently going at wide receiver 20 for ECR, expert consensus ranking, and wide receiver 22, he's getting drafted at with current ADP, average draft position, wide receiver 22, fifth round, sixth pick. Juju is the ECR wide receiver 25, ADP, wide receiver 38. So going seven spots lower than the ECR have him in the public eye here. Seventh round, seventh pick. Maybe able to get some value on Juju. Let's see. Chase Claypool, current ECR wide receiver 33. ADP has him at wide receiver 29, four spots higher than the expert consensus ranking. And he's getting drafted in the ninth spot in the sixth round. So let's take a look at ECR and ADP really quickly with these three guys. ECR expert consensus ranking isn't everything, okay? That's just what, you know, 100 experts in the fantasy industry have a cumulative draft grade, right? They all draft individually. They take the average of that, and then they get the ECR, the expert consensus draft ranking, which is the average of all of those players. So, of course, some some analysts are going to have Deontay Johnson, let's say, at wide receiver 10, okay? Some are going to have him at wide receiver 35 for some reason. All right. Most are going to be around that wide receiver 20 where he sits. And the average right now, ECR is wide receiver 20. That's how that works. ADP is the same thing, but that's the public average draft position. So that takes where people are drafting him 
and it averages. So people drafting him in the third round, people drafting him in the seventh round, it averages out somewhere around the middle of the fifth round at wide receiver 22. So ECR wide receiver 20, ADP wide receiver 22 for Deontay Johnson, pretty much in the middle. That makes sense. Now, Juju and Chase Claypool have really opposite effects. Juju, to the experts, is wide receiver 25. That's solid, right? That's a back-end wide receiver 2, technically a wide receiver 3, but certainly has the upside of wide receiver 2. We've seen what Juju can do when healthy in his career. Wide receiver 25 for the experts. In the public eye, though, this is important. This is where you start finding value. In the public eye, average draft position, he's wide receiver 32. So he's a middle to back end wide receiver three in the public eye. So he's going in the middle of the seventh round. So if the experts have him at 25, the public has him at 32. Looks like you can maybe get some value on Juju Schmidt-Schuster right now. So you can draft him in the seventh round, but maybe he's a sixth round pick, right? So you're getting a round uh, value on Juju. And Chase Claypool, kind of the opposite. The experts have him at wide receiver 33. Uh, middle, again, middle wide receiver three. And the public has him four spots higher than that, right? Because we remember the four touchdown game against the Eagles. We remember the big plays. We remember the rushing touchdowns. Okay, we remember the the big playability that we miss from Antonio Brown in this offense. And Chase Claypool gave us a taste of that last year when he played. So he's wide receiver 29 in the public, wide receiver 33 for the experts. So again, you might have to reach for Chase Claypool, according to the ECR, reach for Chase Claypool to get him, whereas Juju, maybe you wait a whole nother round and get him instead. Three different receivers. I'm going to break all of them down um, with my own rankings and my personal preference as far as format later on in the episode. But for right now, that's where all of them sit in regards to ECR and ADP. I didn't rank uh, James Washington and Ray Ray McLeod because they didn't have much to show for last year. But again, those guys are in there for deeper leagues. Okay, let's look at what the Pittsburgh Steelers did last year. Okay, last year under Randy Fickner, who's been their offensive coordinator for a long time, they ran 65% of their plays as pass plays in 2020. 65% pass plays, 35% rushing plays, and that spiked to 72% pass plays from week 10 on. That was the most in the NFL. So once again, 65-35 pass ratio in general. And then they spike, They got rid of the run game, essentially, and they passed the ball three quarters of the time from week 10 on. Now, we remember the Pittsburgh Steelers were 11-0. They had a funky, you know, a makeup game, basically, like a Tuesday night versus uh, the... Uh, Washington football team, Washington football team got the upset and then they played them. And then they played the the Ravens on like a Wednesday night, right? To make up for the Thanksgiving game. And that was funky. They ended up beating the Ravens, but the Ravens had a good chance with their third string quarterback. Chase McSorley was coming in because RG3 went down and uh, Lamar Jackson didn't play due to COVID. So they almost beat the Steelers with a third string quarterback. And then we know that they lost to the Browns the last game of the season and they lost to the Browns big in the playoffs, the first round of the, of the playoffs. So the Steelers started 11 and 0, but they got rid of the run game and they just were pass, 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 pass three out of four plays heading down the stretch after week 10. So terribly unbalanced. And what we know about the Steelers for the last 30 years is they're usually run first pass second, but under Big Ben in his career, and I will show you in the last couple of years, it's been pass first, run second. So again, last year under Randy Figner, they had 
65% pass plays, 35% run plays during the season. But week 10 on, they had 72% pass plays most in the NFL. We'll see if that continues under new offensive coordinator Matt Canada. Last year, Pittsburgh was 30th. There's 32 teams in the NFL. They were 30th in rush attempts per game with 22.9. So basically 23 rush attempts per game. Okay. They were 20th in 2019, 31st in 2018, 16th in 2016, 24th in 2015. So I went back the last five years for their pass efficiency and their run efficiency for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The last five years, the Pittsburgh Steelers were 30th in rush attempts last year. They were 20th in 19, 31st in 20 in 2018, 16th in 16, and 24th in 15. However, last year the Pittsburgh Steelers had the most pass attempts per game in the NFL. 42.6 pass attempts per game in the NFL. They were 26th. In 2019, Big Ben was hurt. We know that was a train wreck. So we'll throw out 2019 for the Steelers' pass game. But again, in 2018, first again. 2017, tied for first with New England Patriots. 14, they and uh, they were 14th in 2016. They were 15th in 2015. So again, passing over the last five years, the Steelers have been first in 2020, 2018, 2017, and Big Ben got hurt in 2019. They were 14th and 15th in 2016 and 15, respectively. So when Big Ben calls the shots, they are going to throw, and they're going to throw often. He wants to run a no-huddle offense. He wants to run somewhat up-tempo. Big Ben has been in the league 20 years. He wants to go to the line of scrimmage, catch the defense off guard. He knows he can call his plays. He can call his audibles. He can call his motions, and he can set the tone versus have the defense right um, dictate what they're going to do. So Big Ben goes to the line. He sees where the defenses are. He sees maybe there's going to be a blitzer, right, an outside pass rush. Maybe they're in zone. Maybe they're in man, whatever, with the motion. Big Ben audibles, calls the plays. He's basically the offensive coordinator pre-snap on the field. He's been like that for a long time. All right? We see Drew Brees have done that forever. Peyton Manning really made it famous, right? Uh, Tom Brady does it. Most of the best quarterbacks have the ability to do that. Aaron Rodgers has been doing it for years as well. Okay? They call a play in the huddle. They come up to the the line of scrimmage, and they're able to make those audibles on first down. Then they go second, third down. They're they're moving the ball. They don't huddle back up, okay? They call those plays on the fly because they know what the tendencies are of the defense. Now, Pro Football Focus had Pittsburgh Steelers ranked 32nd last in the NFL in rushing efficiency and 17th in passing efficiency in 2020. Big Ben – had a 7.4-yard average depth of target last season, which was sixth lowest in the NFL. Sixth lowest ADP for a quarterback. Average depth of target, or ADT, I should say. Average depth of target, 7.4 yards. Sixth lowest in the NFL. He recorded 30 more short pass attempts. So those are throws 10 yards or fewer than any other quarterback in the NFL. 30 more pass attempts. Shorter than 10 yards, more than any other quarterback in the NFL. Okay, what that means is he was dumping it off to running backs. He was throwing it short to Ebron. He was throwing it short to Juju, right? I'll get to the efficiency of these wide receivers, I promise. But I want to give you an idea of where the Steelers want to be and where Big Ben actually is. This is really important. I just said that 
uh, let's see, three out of the last four years that Big Ben has been healthy. And it probably would have happened in 2019 if he was healthy, but he wasn't. So 2020, 2018, 2017, the Pittsburgh Steelers were first in pass attempts in the NFL. Big Ben, though, unfortunately, last year, he had the lowest average depth of target he's had in his career, six lowest in the NFL. He averaged 6.3 yards per pass attempt last year, third lowest in the NFL. His previous career low was 7.2, and that was just you know his fourth year in the league. 7.2 was his previous low in yards per attempt. He had 6.3, a whole yard less last year. So unfortunately, he's losing his arm. We know that. He's 38 years old, coming off of a surgery. Maybe he gets stronger this year. We'll see what happens, right? More camaraderie with Chase Claypool as a rookie last year. More camaraderie with uh, with uh, Deontay Johnson and, and Juju Schuster as well. And hopefully they have a little bit of a, a run game resemblance last year they just didn't have with the beat-up offensive line and James Conner who couldn't stay healthy. So Big Ben, unfortunately, is struggling. Sixth lowest average depth of target last year. Third lowest average depth of pass attempt. Matt Canada comes in, formerly the offensive coordinator and uh, coach for the Maryland Terrapins, okay, in college. Now, there's a lot of talk in OTAs right now, which I, I really encourage you to pay attention to stuff like this. We tell you on the podcast all the time, don't listen to coach speak. And what coach speak is, is basically when coaches come out, like a guy like Pete Carroll, infinitely optimistic. A guy like Pete Carroll comes out and goes, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Rashad Penny, who's been hurt for three years. Rashad Penny looks great. He's making all the right cuts. He looks better than he did when he got injured. He's going to get ample playing time. We're going to use him in the pass game, all this shit. They might say that about Rashad Penny because they want the rest of the NFL to say, oh, we need to prepare for Rashad Penny. When in reality, Rashad Penny might be not <laughs> might not be fully healthy. He might not be cutting very well. He might not be working in the pass game because the uh, the Seattle Seahawks usually don't really emphasize their running backs out of the pass game. Although Chris Carson's been quite efficient with his workload. Just an example. I'm not saying that's happening with Rashad Penny, but that's the type of coach speak we want to avoid. What I say is, don't listen to all the positive stuff for coach speak this time of year. We have three months left of of all this stuff. Listen to the negativity. Right. So if there's negative coach speak of like, man, this guy came in overweight. This guy came in underweight. This guy's dropping balls of practice. This rookie can't pick up the playbook. You know, this guy came in with a with a hobbled um, hamstring and he's just not able to get healthy. He's not running with the ones. You know, Chris Herndon, we just got a report with the Jets. Chris Herndon is not running with the ones. That's trouble. Bobby and I like Chris Herndon a lot. But if he's not running with the ones, who is? Maybe my boy Kenny Yaboa. The undrafted free agent, the fifth-year senior coming out of Ole Miss and Temple might have a chance, right? That's the kind of stuff I actually take seriously in OTAs, not the like everybody's great, everybody's best shape of their life, everybody looks awesome, everybody's faster than ever, table all that. The reason I bring that up is there's a lot of talk at a Steelers camp that Matt Canada wants to run a certain style of offense as the offensive coordinator. Big Ben, after 20 years of running what he runs with the Steelers, wants to run a certain style as well. Unfortunately for those two guys, they are contradictory to each other. Matt Canada wants to run a call a play in the huddle, run up to the line of scrimmage with you know 20 seconds left on the playcock, and then motion the slot receiver, right? Flip uh formations, run the back running back out of the backfield back into the slot. You know, move guys around pre-snap. What that does is that opens up defenders to move and cover guys, right? If a linebacker 
covers a running back out of the backfield into the slot, most likely they're playing man. Okay. And now <clears throat> Big Ben can decide, okay, now they're playing man. I know that, right? Versus sitting back in the zone. So they want to do a lot of pre-snap reads and pre-snap motion under Matt Canada, the new offensive coordinator. Big Ben, I mentioned earlier, wants to get to the gets uh he wants to call his own plays at the line of scrimmage, set up, <clears throat> and not necessarily do a bunch of motion, but maybe, you know, um, point players in the right direction to influence the defense and where he wants them to go, right? So he wants to play a fast, up-paced offense, get to the line of scrimmage, diagnose the defense, figure out where they're going to be, call an audible if he needs to, and run. Okay, they want to be fast-paced with Big Ben calling plays on the fly. Matt Canada wants them to say, okay, let's get in the huddle. Let's get a strong play. Let's go out to the line of scrimmage. Let's move a couple guys around. Let's call a play with four seconds left on the play clock. Make sure that is successful. Get back in the huddle. Do the same thing. Move some guys around before the play clock expires. Make a nice play. Get back in the huddle. And efficiently and methodically move down the field. All right? That is going to be interesting to see if Big Ben wins over as the veteran or Matt Canada makes his play clocks style the way that the Steelers run the offense. Now, I will say, so far the reports are that Big Ben has been super open to this. Big Ben has been super open to Matt Canada saying, hey, you know, we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to work with him, all right? And Matt Canada has done the right thing as the new, the new OC and come in and said, look, Big Ben is the 20-year veteran. He knows what he's doing. He's a Super Bowl quarterback. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback. We're going to do what Big Ben wants to do. The Steelers brought Big Ben back way past his prime, off of an injury, 39th year, uh, 39 years old, right? And I just said he basically had career lows in yards per pass attempt and yards per target last year, okay? So they're bringing him back to run it back one more time with this great defense and hopefully get over the hump with Big Ben because they lost to the Browns two years in a row, a team that the, the, uh, the Steelers and Big Ben have made a complete fool of over the last 20 years. So it'll be interesting what they actually do here. I do think that Big Ben does a little bit more things that Matt Canada wants to do because it might be more efficient for him. But I also think that Matt Canada is going to fold into what Big Ben wants to do. So it's going to be a little bit of a mix of both. We'll see how they can do it. Now, comparison to what Matt Canada did last year versus what the Pittsburgh Steelers and Big Ben did last year. And then I will get into the individual wide receivers. Last year, Pittsburgh Steelers ran shotgun. Fourth most in the NFL. They ran a shotgun play, right? Not under center. A shotgun play, fourth most in the NFL last year. Maryland, in 2018, last time Matt Canada uh, called the shots there, they ran shotgun 117th in the country <laughs> out of 122 teams. Fifth least out of 122 teams did Matt Canada run shotgun at Maryland. So again, I'm not saying that Big Ben won't run shotgun with Matt Canada now, but Matt Canada is going to have to say, okay, Ben, you prefer shotgun? Let's do that. Now, shotgun benefits Big Ben for a number of reasons. First of all, he's big, 6'5". He can look over the offensive line. He can see the entire field. When he's in shotgun, he has a little bit more you know, perspective of the field. That helps him out. It also gives him maybe an extra one or two seconds, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but in NFL speed, the average play you know, from snap to throw is about, you know, two seconds, maybe two to three seconds if they're really holding on to the ball in the pocket. That extra second, second and a half, two seconds for Big Ben gives him an opportunity not only to get rid of the ball, but to avoid a hit. We know Big Ben doesn't want to get hit at this point. 
he, you know, he's broken multiple bones, right? He's had leg injuries, rib injuries, shoulder, collarbone, right? Elbow. Now he does not want to get hit when he was younger. He was, he was throwing guys off of him. He was incredibly difficult to tackle. Not the case anymore. He's not mobile anymore. If somebody gets to him, he's going to get sacked and they're not going to afford to do that. So I do think that he gets back in the shotgun, not fourth most in the NFL, but even if it's 10th most in the NFL and Matt Canada can, you know, raise that 117th ranked shotgun plays, right? Maybe he boosts that up to like 80th, you know, or or, or 50th in, in comparison. I think these guys can kind of, you know, uh, work with each other here to work, to get shotgun plays, um, which I think benefits Ben. Cause again, it gives him a little more time. Also Najee Harris can run out of the shotgun. He ran a lot of pro style at Alabama, obviously under center, turn around and take a handoff, you know, dives and leads and stuff like that. Um, but I think he'll be just fine out of the shotgun as well. And with this offensive line being beat up, right. Villanueva gone, Pouncey retires, Filer gone, they lose three of their their Pro Bowl studs. Okay, they're going to need to be in shotgun. I think give Ben just an extra second or two. So I think that remains. So the shotgun aspect I think remains, but I do see them huddling up more. I see them doing a little bit less up tempo. Now they could be no huddle and not be up tempo if that makes sense. So they could be no huddle if they want. Like Philip Rivers, forever has run no huddle offense, but he takes it all the way down to three, two, one on the play clock. So he's not going up-tempo necessarily like Peyton Manning used to do with no huddle. He's just doing no huddle, read the defense, take 20 seconds to diagnose. I see Big Ben doing that this year with a mix of what he wants to do with no huddle and what Matt Canada wants to do, calling plays and taking their time with pre-snap motion. So keep an eye on that. But word on the street is in Pittsburgh so far, they are able to work together on this, which I think is very, very important early on in the stage. Now, moving forward, looking ahead a year, if Big Ben is gone next season, he retires, whoever the quarterback is next year, I do expect things to change in the way that the offense runs in Pittsburgh. We'll go over that later on. But I think Matt Canada is going to come in as the new guy, getting an opportunity in the NFL, getting an opportunity with a historic franchise that has a legitimate chance to at least make a playoff run, if not a Super Bowl run, if they can all stay healthy and Big Ben plays, you know, turns back the clock five, ten years. So they have an opportunity. I think Matt Canada is just going to, you know, st- you know, stay in his lane this year. Okay, Ben, you do what you want to do. Let's make the most of it. Next year, Big Ben moves on potentially. Then I see Mike Tomlin saying, okay, Matt, you, you know, you bit the bullet last year. Why don't you take the reins? Why don't you do what you want to do with this offense and see where it can take us? I think things change next year, but this year it'll still be mostly Big Ben. I think the efficiency will be down. I think the distance and passing will be down, but I think it'll be more productive offense overall with the run game. And this offensive coordinator coming in to mix up things a little bit, a little less careless with the play call, time management, and hopefully keeping the ball in Big Ben's hands with fewer sacks. All right. Another thing here, the Pittsburgh Steelers used pre-snap motion, 23rd in the NFL, Maryland second in the NFL. So I'd mentioned Matt Canada wants to do pre-snap motion. Second in all of college football. I just mentioned there's 122 teams college football, right, D1. Maryland was second in all of college football in pre-snap motion. Get to the line of scrimmage, motion, motion, change up the formation, run the backfield out of the backfield, or run the running back out of the backfield. Maybe he lines up at the slot, move him back into the backfield. 
Okay, motion a tight end to the other side, whatever it is, two or three motions before the snap to find out if they're in man or zone, find out who's blitzing, find out where the extra edge rusher is, find out what scheme they're in, right? Find if they're playing press coverage, if they're off coverage, whatever it is. Matt Canada wants that. I think Big Ben would really uh, benefit from that, but is he going to? Maryland ran the second most play pre-snap motion in college football. The Steelers were 23rd out of 32 teams. They didn't do that last year very often. That's going to be another, we'll see what happens. So shotgun, Big Ben wants to run shotgun. Matt Canada doesn't. Matt Canada wants to run pre-snap motion. Big Ben doesn't necessarily want to. Those are the two big things that we're going to have to see happen with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, now let's get into the wide receivers. So we'll start with Deontay Johnson. Again, finished best out of the three here last year. Once again, he finished as wide receiver 22 PPR fantasy points per game with just under 15 points per game. Currently, ECR 20, ADP 22. Deontay Johnson is going to be the wide receiver one for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He kind of is the jack of all trades in this offense where Chase Claypool and Juju Schuster kind of have their roles. Deontay Johnson can be a deep threat. He can be a possession receiver, assuming he catches the ball. He can be an under under route receiver, right? He can move the chains. He can do it all, and Big Ben likes him a lot. We know that, obviously, Big Ben, first of all, loved Mike Wallace back in the day, right? And um, he was able to make the most of Antonio Brown, clearly, right? Deep threat, but also underneath. And I see Chase Claypool kind of morphing into that style receiver. If Juju signed elsewhere in free agency, he, of course, signs back with the Steelers this year. If Juju went elsewhere, I think Chase Claypool would have had a good bet to be this year's Calvin Ridley, you know, from last year and two years ago, Chris Godwin, who had those huge breakout seasons. But with Juju back in Pittsburgh, he'll probably retain somewhere close to his 125 targets. So in February, March, when we were talking about free agency, there was potentially 125 targets up for grabs with Juju leaving Pittsburgh. He comes back. I think he takes probably 120 targets again. So Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson are not going to see those. But if they get similar work, we could have similar results. Unfortunately, some knocks on Deontay Johnson, who I think is a phenomenal young player, and I think he's going to get better and better and better for the next five seasons. However, unfortunately, last year he led the NFL with 14 drops and he was essentially benched because of it. But the good news is he was peppered with 144 targets, which was six most in the NFL, and nine and a half targets per game, which is fifth most in the NFL. So you get targeted that often, 144 targets. I mean, 14 drops is unacceptable for a professional wide receiver. But you're going to drop a couple balls, okay? Um, 14 is too many you know, five maybe would have been reasonable. 14 drops needs to be fixed. Jerry Judy had a ton of drops last year, but it's kind of been decided that maybe a lot of those were uncatchable balls. Okay, somewhat excusable, but let's see if he takes the the jump in year two. Big Ben, I just, you know, not terribly accurate last year of where he was because he was coming off that elbow injury. Maybe it's just a matter of accuracy with Big Ben more so than Deontay Johnson having fumbly hands like Amari Cooper had coming into the league. Amari Cooper's rectified that. Now he's Amari Cooper. Okay. I want to give Deontay Johnson the benefit of the doubt on this, but it's something I need to mention. He led the NFL in 14 drops, was benched a couple of times, which is frustrating to fantasy owners, but he was peppered with 144 targets, six most in the NFL. 
nine and a half targets per game, fifth most in the NFL. He was 28th in average depth of target among wide receivers with at least 100 targets. He had basically eight yards per target last year. Average depth of target, eight yards. For your number one wide receiver, who's able to be a deep threat, who can take a ball to the house, who can catch a 40-yard pass, average depth of target, eight yards, 28th among wide receivers who had 100 targets. Unacceptable. (laughs) He needs to have deeper opportunity, and he needs to have more accurate passing, and I think Deontay Johnson's going to be just fine. Let's move on to Juju here. Juju is the primary slot receiver in 2020. There's talks that he might move on the outside this year. If he moves outside, if we get Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool in the slot, it's going to be unfair. Juju is already unfair in the slot. Big body receiver, shifty receiver, you know, great, you know, off the line of scrimmage, great hands. We've seen him take two passes, 97 yards to the house on essentially, you know, four yard passes. And he's made a couple misses and outrun everybody twice in his career. Primary slot receiver so far in his career. But if they move him to the outside, who's going to play the slot? I see it being Chase Claypool because or, or Deontay Johnson, obviously. But if Chase Claypool can play in the slot, that is going to be an absolute nightmare. There was talks of him coming in as a tight end, if you remember correctly, out of Notre Dame. If he is playing a hybrid tight end wide receiver slot at his size, it, it's, it's lights out. It's game over. Linebackers have no chance. Slot cornerbacks have no chance. You bring a free safety down, Deontay Johnson and Juju can burn you over the top. That's a, a mismatch nightmare. And then you have Eric Ebron slash Pat Fryermuth in the middle as well at tight end. The Steelers could be absolutely nasty if Big Ben can be right. So we'll see what happens with Juju. But if he moves outside, it's going to change some things here. Juju was first among slot receivers. First in slot receptions with 81. Fourth in slot yards, 735. And he was first with slot receiving touchdowns with nine. That's the most in the slot since Doug Baldwin in 2015. Again, Juju from the slot, first in receptions, fourth in receiving yards, first in receiving touchdowns from the slot. Not sure why they would even move him to the outside when you have two incredible outside deep threat receivers in Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, but there's some murmurs in Pittsburgh, so I just want to mention it. Juju stays in the slot. I think he's going to remain completely reliable, and um, he is really the dump off for Big Ben. Now, among slot receivers who with a minimum 50 targets, Juju was last in dot. Again, average depth of target among wide receivers with 100 targets with just five and a half. So slot receivers among uh, slot receivers with a minimum of 50 targets. Again, he was first in receptions, fourth in receiving yards, first in touchdowns. Among wide receivers in general, with at least 100 targets in 2020, Juju Schuster was last in average depth of target with just 5.49. So basically five and a half yards average depth of target. Now, I just said Juju can take one of the house from anywhere. But if his average depth of target is under six yards, there's not much he can do there, right? He's playing majority in the middle of the field. Usually, like Julian Edelman, 
incredible PPR machine, right? He eight, nine catches a game. Awesome. But it's usually for like 70, 80 yards if he doesn't score or break a big play because you catch a ball over the middle, the guy guarding you could tackle you. The next guy, there's going to be a, a linebacker, safety, or a cornerback somewhere close that could tackle you. If you don't make a couple guys miss, you're not going to get those 15, 18, 20, 25-yard chunk plays over the slot usually. Now, Juju has done it on occasion over his career, but not consistently. So an average depth of target last among wide receivers with 100 targets at just five and a half, not going to cut it. And I just mentioned Deontay Johnson, who's incredible down the field, 28th in dot. Not going to work for the Steelers. <laughs> Let's go to Chase Claypool here and I'll wrap this up. Chase Claypool is the bona fide deep threat. I mentioned Deontay Johnson can kind of do it all. Deep threat, he can play in the slot, he can play over the middle, possession style receiver, move the chains, whatever. But between Juju and Claypool, Claypool's the deep threat, Juju's the underneath guy. Chase Claypool is a deep threat and the big red zone target, the largest receiver of these three. Now, Chase Claypool had 31 targets beyond 20 yards last season. That was the third most in the NFL. So those are, you know, they call those big plays, right? Deep passes, anything 20 yards more. He had 31 targets of 20 yards or more last year. Not necessarily receptions but they just threw him the ball at least 20 yards down the field 31 times last year, third most in the NFL. However, unfortunately, he only caught nine of those balls. 29% catch rate on those deep passes, 74th in the NFL. So again, two sides of the coin here. Excellent that they're throwing the ball deep to him because he's a deep style receiver. He's a big body receiver. He's a contested catch guy. That's awesome. They targeted him 31 times, at least 21, 20 yards down the field. That's fantastic. That's that's Mike Evans-esque. We want that. Okay. That's a, you know, a big, big, big time players. Brandon Marshall was always big in this in his career, right? Big body receiver, go up and get it, right? Andre Johnson, some of these guys, Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson. Okay. That's their style of wide receiver. DK Metcalf now. 31 targets of 21 yards on the field, third most in the NFL. Excellent. Now, nine catches on 31 opportunities, nine of 31, 29% catch rate, absolutely horrendous, 74th in the NFL in efficiency. Could be two different things. Chase Claypool dropped some balls, ran the wrong route, uh, slowed up early, overran the route, didn't have the right cut, or Big Ben just straight up missed him overthrows, underthrows, threw on the wrong side of his body, you know, outpaced him on a sideline route. Maybe they were off timing by one or two yards on a cross or something. Either way, this efficiency needs to come up. Now, the volume for Chase Claypool, surprisingly, is there, even as a rookie, as the wide receiver three on his own team. 31 targets of 21 yards on the field is phenomenal. But that efficiency of nine out of 31 catches needs to come up. Chase Claypool was fourth in average depth of target among wide receivers with 100 targets at 13 yards per target. So let's compare all three of these guys really quickly. Average depth of target. All right. Chase Claypool was fourth on the team or fourth in the NFL, but best on the team. Chase, uh, Deontay Johnson was 28th in the NFL, second on the team. And Juju was last in the NFL, third on the team. So Chase Claypool, fourth in the NFL, Deontay Johnson, 28th, Juju, last, which is 34. 34 wide receivers had 100 targets last year, at least 100 targets. Juju was last. Deontay Johnson, sixth worst, and Chase Claypool, fourth best. 
He had 109 targets as a rookie. Very impressive. He had eight games with eight-plus targets as a rookie. Chase Claypool did. That's with Deontay Johnson getting peppered with 144 targets. That's with Juju Schmidt-Schuster being the dump-off constantly for Big Ben. He also had two rushing touchdowns and 13 red zone targets on just 62% snap share, Chase Claypool. So again, the volume for Chase Claypool as a rookie last year, as a third stringer on his own team, is unbelievable. The volume there is unbelievable, and the volume itself is worth drafting him as a wide receiver three. The upside of Chase Claypool is ridiculous. If he can get his efficiency, if he caught, let's say, half of those balls, let's say 15 out of 31 he caught, his his numbers skyrocket. You know, that's what, six more catches of at least 20 yards, right? That's at least, a, what, 122 or 120 more yards, not to mention the six catches, maybe a couple of those are touchdowns. His numbers explode. So the efficiency for Chase Claypool isn't there yet, but the volume is. Now, the volume for Juju Schuster is also there, but he's got the lowest A dot around. And Deontay Johnson can't make the most of it because he's dropping 14 passes. So it's really a crapshoot here with these wide receivers. Each one of them is really good at what they do. Each one of these guys could be the number one on their team. Each one of these guys could be a wide receiver one in fantasy football if it wasn't so crowded on their own squad. Fortunately, that's not how it works. So I broke down how the Steelers worked last year. 65 to 35 ratio, 72% pass plays from week 10 on through the playoffs. And we know that they sputtered, right? They started 11 and 0. They sputtered down the stretch. They lost to the Browns back to back the last week of the season and again in the first round of the playoffs. So it didn't work. Maybe they run more to the running game. I haven't even brought up Najee Harris, right? Najee Harris coming in is going to get 250 minimum touches maybe 250 carries we know that Mike Tomlin wants to have a bell cow running back Le'Veon Bell D'Angelo Williams right they want to have a bell cow running back James Conner when he was healthy in 2018 but he just wasn't able to do it last year and nobody behind James Conner could handle the workload so they just said screw it we're done with the run game we're gonna throw for the last seven games of the season Cool for Big Ben, good for receivers, not good for an offensive team balance. And we saw the Steelers, unfortunately, unravel and eventually lose because of that. Do they go more to the running game, even with a new manufactured offensive line? I do think so. I think it, you know, that that 65-35 pass to rush ratio, I think that comes back down to 55-45. That's going to be a huge difference in the efficiency of this offense and the volume to these wide receivers. I love all these wide receivers as individuals. I love them as players, and they are the best trio in the NFL. But Big Ben is struggling. He's not who he used to be. At least he wasn't last year. Maybe he gets more recovered and healthy this year. Hopefully he does for a last hurrah. But if they're going to give, you know, Najee Harris first down, second down looks, you know, most drives, and he's siphoning more touchdowns than last year. Right, Eric Ebron and Pat Fryermuth are also still in the mix. If this is going to happen, this is going to take away from these three receivers. I don't think drastically. I think all these guys are going to get their numbers, but I think the hype, especially for Chase Claypool, 
is a little bit out of hand only because I believe he could do it and the upside is real. But again, he's going to have to be extra efficient on probably similar volume because I don't see Chase Claypool getting more volume. I just see him having to boost that efficiency. If he can do that, sky's the limit for Chase Claypool. Juju should remain the same. And Deontay Johnson should be better without dropping 14 balls. But again, I don't see him getting an influx in volume either. The extra snaps, okay, are going to go to the run game, in my opinion, this year. Like I said, the Steelers were horrendous in the run game last year. They were 30th in rush attempts last year, which is 23 a game. They have to bring that up to 27, 28, get back to middle of the pack at least, and get back to Steeler football. Run the ball, play action with Ben, big plays down the field with your great receivers, move the chains over the middle with the slot with Juju, and play defense. One of the best young defenses in the NFL. That is how the Steelers are going to win games, in my opinion. So here's how I have the wide receivers ranked right now. Again, ECR expert consensus ranking has Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 20, Juju Smith-Schuster at 25, and Chase Claypool at 33 in PPR. I have Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 19. That's one higher than ECR. I have Juju at wide receiver 26. That's one lower than ECR. And I have Chase Claypool at wide receiver 30, three higher than ECR. So ultimately, I've got all three of these guys basically around expert consensus ranking right now. We'll see what happens over the OTAs in the preseason. We'll see if Matt Canada gets his way or Big Ben gets his way because that's going to change my rankings. And we'll see how Pat Fryermuth develops behind Eric Ebron. We'll see what happens with Najee Harris, how often they're running the ball in OTAs. A lot's going to change for the Steelers here. They've been a powerhouse in the AFC for Big Ben's entire career when he's been healthy. But last year, they showed their cards. They showed that Big Ben cannot carry this team anymore, throwing the ball the most in the NFL. It's cool for fantasy. It's not great for the NFL. And Mike Tomlin wants to win games. So I do think that they resort back to the run game more often. Matt Canada and Big Ben kind of split the difference on their philosophies. And they're going to run fewer plays more efficiently. And I think all these wide receivers stick around where they were last year. uh, Deontay Johnson has the best weekly stability. PPR monster, especially if he's not dropping balls. Juju has the PPR upside, right? Just the volume, the Julian Edelman-esque with better touchdown upside. But the low... Upside overall, I think. He has a great floor with Juju, lower upside. And Chase Claypool, low floor, because you never know what you're going to get with him, but huge upside, obviously. Two bold predictions on get out of here. Bold prediction number one, Chase Claypool outpasses, outpaces Juju in fantasy points. So if Chase Claypool can get that efficiency on those deep targets up, he's going to have a lot more yardage, better receptions, and he's going to have more touchdowns. Juju, I think, is going to sit about where he was last year. I think Chase Claypool already had 110 targets last year. If he gets to 120, 115, and he has better efficiency deep down the field, I think he's going to blow Juju out of the water. Chase Claypool is the best value, and he has the best upside for me personally. Bull prediction number one, Claypool outpaces Juju in fantasy points. Bull prediction number two, Deontay Johnson finishes as a top top 12 wide receiver, so a wide receiver one. Not the wide receiver one, a wide receiver one, top 12. Again, if he you know drops five balls, not 14, some of those turn into touchdowns. Some of those are 40-yard gains, right? His receptions are going to go up. That's going to help you in PPR. His efficiency is going to go up. He's not going to get benched and just straight up lose snap share. 
Bold prediction number one, Claypool outpaces Juju in fantasy points. Bold prediction number two, Deontay Johnson ends as a top 12 wide receiver. I've got Johnson at 19, Juju at 26, Claypool at 30. I like all of these wide receivers in PPR. I'm probably going to fade Juju because I want the upside. Uh, Although if I go, let's see, wide receivers early, right? And I'm looking at a running back in the middle rounds. I might just go Juju instead of a, you know, a a running back in the fifth, sixth round. I don't want those guys. So I'm going to go with the high, you know, high floor with Juju and PPR. So that's a good scenario there. But Deontay Johnson in like the fourth round, love him as my wide receiver two even would be great. I do trust him as a wide receiver one, but wide receiver two would be frosting. And then Chase Claypool in maybe the sixth, seventh round. I think that'll balloon a little bit as we get going here because the hype's real. But right now, sixth, seventh round for Chase Claypool. Love that. Wide receiver three, depending on how you draft, even your wide receiver two with massive upside and a decent floor. A little bit risky, but massive upside. I love Chase Claypool there as well. So ultimately, I do like all these guys. I like Deontay Johnson and then Chase Claypool and then Juju personally as like how I would draft, but I rank them Deontay Johnson 19, Juju 26, Claypool at 30. I hope this was helpful to break down the wide receivers for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Deontay Johnson, Juju Schuster, and Chase Claypool, Matt Canada, new offensive coordinator, what Big Ben wants to do, what he has been doing, how he's been doing it, and of course, the run-pass ratio for the Pittsburgh Steelers over the last five years to give us a little more idea of what kind of team chemistry they're looking for. If you're looking right here on YouTube, please subscribe to the YouTube channel and write down below, let me know any team, running back, uh, backfield or a wide receiver core, whatever it is, a rookie um, or a player in particular that you're you know a little bit on the fence about for fantasy, let me know in the comment section and I will dive into as many of those as I can. Bobby's coming up here next week with his player profile. Again, tomorrow we have uh, our tight end episode here, breaking down the tight end draft capital, second, third, fourth year tight ends as well. And we'll give you some of our deeper tight ends that we're most fond of if you don't pick one of the top guys. And then on Monday, Monday morning, drop in 400th episode with our special guest, one of my favorite in the entire fantasy world. I will reveal that on the next episode. Stay tuned. You can find me on Twitter at Sky Guasco, S-K-Y-L-A-R. You can find us on Instagram as well at Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod on TikTok at TCK Pod and join our Facebook group, The Candlestick Kids. And of course, make sure to leave a rate and review anywhere you listen to the podcast. I hope this was helpful and I hope this brings you as much value as possible. This is the player spotlight, player preview of the wide receivers for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll catch you tomorrow with the tight end preview of Bobby LaMarco. And then again on Monday, episode 400. Very excited. Let me know who you want to see in your next player profile and I'll get after it. Have a wonderful rest of your midweek. Get over that hump day, finish strong y'all. And I'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Sky Guasco, and I am out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.